Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. The book of Proverbs puts it this way, The one who lives with integrity lives securely, but whoever perverts his ways will be found out. Here's another one. That's Proverbs 10.9. Here's Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. And my friends, I know you know. I could keep going. You know the story, but here's the point. Integrity, the pursuit of holiness and godliness, is upside down from the world's values of importance and status. And here we go with episode 2073. Welcome to this part of our journey together through the Bible, reading through every bit of it with the big story in mind and considering our stories and how they plug into that. And my friends, if you want a difficult way to think about that whole integrity thing, Jesus said the world hates him, so they will hate his followers. In the kingdom of God, the human values of status and importance are a whole, probably a whole lot of other things are turned upside down. So what should we do? Well, that gets us to our New Testament segment today. Luke 18. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while, the judge was unwilling. But later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I'll give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out with her persistent coming. And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect? who cry out to him day and night, will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven. He kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. People were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however invited them, let the little children come to me and 
don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. The ruler replied, I've kept all these from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he told him, You still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. After the ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it asked, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, Look, we have left what we had and followed you. So he said to them, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children, because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many th times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Then he took the twelve aside and said, See, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit upon, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. And that gets us up through verse 34. You know, it totally makes me think of something a, high school, uh, a college music professor told me when we were studying music theory. He said, learn it, and at some point in the future, you'll have an aha moment. Right, so in Luke's narrative here, at that moment, the disciples didn't understand. That doesn't mean they didn't, like, ah, have that moment down the road when they recalled what was said and go, ah, now we get it. If there's anything for us to remember from our New Testament reading, number one, we should pray with confidence that God will respond, but our confidence should be in God's mercy, not in our own hearts. And in the kingdom of God, accepted human values of status and importance are turned upside down. So turn into our Old Testament segment. If you were looking at the book of Job, you would find there are three rounds of speeches and we are in the middle of the second round. Yesterday, we heard Bildad again argue that Job's suffering must be because of sin. And Job, of course, expresses his frustration with his friends and with God and pleads for ultimate vindication. And the way this whole thing goes down, I think, is a good reminder that something 
isn't true just because a majority makes its claim. Because today, we're going to hear so far assert the same thing as Bildad. The wicked will be judged and perish. And Job demonstrates that the wicked don't always suffer, though they do ultimately die for their sins. Job chapter 20. Then Zophar the Naamathite replied, This is why my unsettling thoughts compel me to answer, because I'm upset. I've heard a rebuke that insults me, and my understanding makes me reply. Don't you know that ever since antiquity, from the time a human was placed on earth, the joy of the wicked has been brief, and the happiness of the godless has lasted only a moment? Though his arrogance reaches heaven and his head touches the clouds, he will vanish forever like his own dung. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in there. You know, boys and poop jokes. You know, I love the Bible being real. Though his arrogance reaches heaven and his head touches the clouds, he will forever vanish like his own dung. Those who know him will ask, where is he? He will fly away like a dream and never be found. He will be chased away like a vision in the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more and his household will no longer see him. His children will beg from the poor and his own hands must give back his wealth. His frame may be full of youthful vigor, but it will lie down with him in the dust. Though evil tastes sweet in his mouth and he conceals it under his tongue, Though he cherishes it and will not let it go, but keeps it in his mouth, yet the food in his stomach turns into cobra's venom inside him. He swallows wealth, but must vomit it up. God will force it from his stomach. He will suck the poison of cobras. A viper's fangs will kill him. He will not enjoy the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and curds. He must return the fruit of his labor without consuming it. He doesn't enjoy the profits from his trading. For he oppressed and abandoned the poor. He seized a house, but he did not build. Because his appetite is never satisfied, he does not let anything he desires escape. Nothing is left for him to consume. Therefore, his prosperity will not last. At the height of his success, distress will come to him. The full weight of misery will crush him. When he fills his stomach, God will send his burning anger against him, raining it down on him while he is eating. If he flees from an iron weapon, an arrow from a bronze bow will pierce him. He pulls it out of his back, the flashing tip out of his liver. Terrors come over him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. A fire unfanned by human hands will consume him. It will feed on what is left of his tent. The heavens will expose his iniquity, and the earth will rise up against him. The possessions in his house will be removed, flowing away on the day of God's anger. This is the wicked person's lot from God, the inheritance God ordained for him. And then Job answers Zophar. Pay close attention to my words. Let this be the consolation you offer. Bear with me while I speak. Then, after I have spoken, you may continue mocking. As for me, is my complaint against a human being? 
then why shouldn't I be impatient? Look at me and shudder. Put your hand over your mouth. When I think about it, I'm terrified and my body trembles in horror. Why do the wicked continue to live, growing old and becoming powerful? Their children are established while they're still alive and their descendants right before their very eyes. Their homes are secure and free of fear. No rod from God strikes them. Their bulls breed without fail and their cows calve and do not miscarry. They let their little ones run around like lambs. Their children skip about, singing to the tambourine and lyre and rejoicing at the sound of the flute. They spend their days in prosperity and go down to Sheol in peace. Yet they say to God, Leave us alone. We don't want to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him, and what will we gain by pleading with Him? But their prosperity is not of their own doing. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is the lamp of the wicked put out? Does disaster come on them? Does he apportion destruction in his anger? Are they like straw before the wind, like chaff a storm sweeps away? God, God reserves a person's punishment for his children. Let God repay the person himself so that he may know it. Let his own eyes see his demise. Let him drink from the Almighty's wrath. For what does he care about his family once he's dead, when the number of his months has run out? Can anyone teach God knowledge since he judges the exalted ones? One person dies in excellent health, completely secure and at ease. His body is well fed and his bones are full of marrow. And yet another person dies with a bitter soul, having never tasted prosperity. But they both lie in the dust and worms cover them. I know your thoughts very well, the schemes by which you would wrong me. For you say, where now is the nobleman's house, and where are the tents the wicked lived in? Have you never consulted those who travel the roads? Don't you accept their reports? Indeed, the evil person is spared from the day of disaster, rescued from the day of wrath. Who would denounce his behavior to his face? Who would repay him for what he's done? He is carried to the grave, and someone keeps watch over his tomb. The dirt on his grave is sweet to him. Everyone follows behind him, and those who go before him are without number. So how can you offer me such futile comfort? Your answers are deceptive. And that gets us up through chapter 22, uh, or chapter 21, that is. So, note here, Job is right on one thing. The wicked do ultimately die for their sins, but sometimes our limited perspective makes it appear that they live with impunity in the here and now. Not in the ultimate sense, my friends, because integrity which is the pursuit of holiness and godliness, is upside down from the world's values of importance and status. In fact, that's kind of an important theme that we hear in our closing wisdom segment today. If you want to know what to do, 
you're going to hear a whole bunch of things, and if I got time, I'll recap them. A person of God will fill in the blank. You're going to hear a bunch of things today. Psalm 101, a Psalm of David. I will sing of faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. A devious heart will be far from me. I will not be involved with evil. I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. My eyes favor the faithful of the land so that they may sit down with me. The one who follows the way of integrity may serve me. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. The one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. Every morning, I will destroy all of the wicked in the land, wiping out all evildoers from the Lord's city. And that is Psalm 101. And it looks like we do have time. This comes from uh, Danny Aiken, Johnny Hunt, Tony Merida, and exalting Jesus in the Psalms. Well, let me just rephrase that and let's pray in fact let's just turn this into a prayer lord help us do this lord god as we just heard in that psalm a person of god a person after your heart will praise you for your goodness lord help us do that a person of god will walk in the way of integrity will continually acknowledge our utter dependence on you. We'll guard our hearts as you lead us home. Lord, help us to follow well. Lord, we see that a guy, a person of God will hate what is wrong and will not let it get hold of us. We won't welcome evil persons into our inner circle. We won't give place to slander or gossip. Lord, help us to guard, to protect. And Lord, if a person of God will seek out the humble, not the prideful, Lord, help us to surround ourselves with people who are faithful, who have integrity, who are not liars or dishonest. And Lord, ultimately, help us not to grow weary in the battle of good and evil. Because unless we're missing something, Lord, your, your word is pretty clear. Integrity, pursuing what you want in terms of our own holiness and godliness, is and will continue to be, in, in this life, upside down from the world's values of importance and status. We love you, Lord. And I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.